Well, good evening. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and so glad to have you with us this weekend. We're starting a brand new series called LTD, Living the Dream. I know some of you just thought it was a car, but it's a way of life. So we're going to talk about that this week and the next several weeks. And I just want to uh, encourage you as we kind of talk this weekend about how a dream is designed and, and what we mean by dreams. Uh, we're going to continue to unwrap this uh, the next several weeks. What happens when dreams are delayed? What happens when dreams are deferred? It doesn't sound like they're going to happen. What happens when you don't feel like you can get there by yourself? And so these next several weeks, starting with this weekend, we're going to begin to look at some biblical profiles of how God uses dreams in your life and in my life uh, to accomplish his will and to take us to heights that, quite frankly, we only dream of. And as we begin this series, I want to say something right up front. Uh, uh, and that is, is that... Um, well, first of all, dreams are a natural thing for me as far as not like daydreaming, but like dream, vision, you know, passion, I want to do something. I'm a type A personality, pretty optimist. Uh, I, but let me say this, just so you understand as we kind of define what this is going to be like in this series. Uh, I hate pie in the sky pipe dreams. I hate that. I wish I may. I wish I might have this wish. I wish tonight. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, people that have the case of what I call the if I had. Well, if I had a million dollars, I would. If I had this, I would. If I had, if I had, if I had, I can't stand that. Uh, so we're not talking about pie in the sky dreams. We're not talking about I wish I had or if I won the lottery or if I did this or if I did that. I'm talking about dreams that can become reality, dreams that are rooted in realization. And when I talk about this subject, someone comes to mind in my life, and his name is Tommy Barnett, pastors one of the greatest churches in America, Phoenix First Assembly of God. And Pastor Barnett is someone who I have read, like everything basically almost that he's written. I have, uh, man, I have, I have uh, sat there, listened to sermon after sermon, message after message, been to his pastor school there in Phoenix. So I'm saying that to say this. If something that I say or things that I say go, man, I think I heard that said before, it's because you did. All right? I'm just going to give props to Pastor Barnett all throughout this. I'm not taking a sermon series that he preached. I'm not taking a message that he preached. But it's just, I am one of these kind of people, I believe heavily in... And uh, reading and learning and growing. And so it's become such a part of me that there are just certain things I'm going to say that are just going to come out. I agree with what Solomon said, that there's nothing new under the sun. So I just, for those of you that go, well, I don't know that he originally came up with that thought. I didn't. I'm just going to just say it right from the beginning, all right? Everything I'm saying, I stole from Pastor Barnett, and I'm going to give it to you. And, uh, but anyhow, great guy. Let me start with a definition, a working definition that we're going to use throughout this entire series for dreams. Here's what I mean by a dream. A dream is a vision or goal or plan that fire your heart and saturate your soul with every thought of them. Let me say that again. A dream is a vision or a goal or a plan that it fires your heart and it saturates your soul with every thought of them. It's something that ignites you. It's life at the highest level. That's why we call it LTD, living the dream. It's something that just gets you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night. Dreams contain a spiritual DNA. They're, they are deeply spiritual. They're the blueprint of your soul. And, and let me say this. A dream doesn't define you. It draws you. A dream doesn't define you. It draws you. It pulls you. It brings you. It's, there's just something about it that's intoxicating. And every person has a dream. How do you know this? Well, this is what the Bible says. First of all, it says that without it, you die. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I'm going to give you a lot of information today. I'm sorry. 
I'm just going to just, uh, this is a topical message to kind of launch everything. But Proverbs 28, 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, where there's no dream, where there's no revelation, where there's no goal, where there's no ambition, the people perish. If you don't have a dream, you die. That's what he's saying. The Bible says that God gives us these dreams. Look at Psalm chapter 37 verse 4. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Every person in this room, you have desires. There's something in you that, that, that gets you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night. There's a passion. There's a dream. Maybe you're discovering that dream. Maybe you put that dream on the shelf. Maybe you say, I'm too old to dream the dream. No, it's all part of God's plan. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. Now I want you to look at that. It doesn't say plan. Plans. You've got to remember, we serve a, a big, big, big God declares the Lord, plans, plural, to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's the kind of God that we serve. So everybody has a dream. Now, the dream doesn't originate with you or with me. The dream always originates with God, but it resides in you. Never forget that. A dream, a real dream from God, it, it, it may reside in you, but it originates with him. The, the, the passion, the, the, the wherewithal that you have. God is the source of your dream. And dreams without God are hollow, they're unsatisfying, because every person must come to Christ with their dream to, for the dream to make sense. Why? Because without Jesus, you and I may follow a dream that has nothing to do with God, and that, quite frankly, God never put there. It could be a distraction and not a dream. You, you realize the Bible says that there's, that there's two powers at work in this world. There's God, and there's Satan. I didn't write it, that's just what it is. There's good, and there's evil. And that the reality is as though God puts dreams in your hearts and desires in your heart and passion in your heart and life in your heart and he has plans for you. There's an enemy of your soul that looks to steal, kill, and destroy, John says. And so there are things that the enemy of your soul and my soul might try to place there that have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with what he wants to do, and they're actually a distraction and not a dream. Not every dream is from God. There are some dreams that are godless. But when it's from God, it's unstoppable. Now... There's two types of people here today that, that I'm talking to, and, and I want to unpack this. There are those of you that are discovering the dream. Maybe you're a student, and you're going, I'm trying to figure out what else to do with my life. Maybe you're, maybe you're a young single, and you're just trying to figure out, you know, I thought this, but I'm not really quite sure. Maybe you've just never sat down. I, I understand that some of you have been raised, not raised in a context where dreaming or thinking or big planning was never something that was promoted. And you've just never thought about it. I hope you'll take this journey these next couple of weeks. I hope that you'll just think about it today. Because I want to help you and give you some principles how to discover the dream. And some of you have a dream. There's something that's in your heart. It's burning. It's passionate in your heart. It's that thing that gets you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night. And I'm going to kind of walk you through what I would call a litmus test. of Is that really a dream from the Lord or is that just a distraction? Now, everybody, when you came in today, I gave you a rubber band. A big, wide rubber band. One is so that if your kids get out of line during the service, you can snap them. Because it hurts, right? Not me. Don't snap me. Snap you. Right? No, seriously, I gave you this rubber band not to hold the papers that you were given when you came in. But don't you take this rubber band out. Because this rubber band, in a lot of ways, it represents you through this series. 
And here's the deal. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take your mindset, and I'm going to take your mentality, and all I'm going to do is stretch it according to God's word. I'm not going to stretch it so hard and so fast that we're to break. I'm just going to keep stretching it. And I'm going to throw some things out there. And I'm going to talk about some things from God's word. I'm going to kind of get in your proverbial kitchen a little bit, make you th- let you think a little bit. There may be some things that are convicting. And what will happen through the course of this series is you're not going to break, but what's going to happen is you're going to stretch. And, and, and this is healthy. I mean, we, we, we know mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, we need to have times of stretching and times of release. We're just going to, I'm, but I'm going to stretch you. And what's going to happen at the end of the series, you may, go, you may not stay as stretched, as wide, and as tight as we are through this series. You're, you may go back, but you'll never go back to the same shape. And that's what I want to do, because here's what I do believe. I believe that there are plans and passions and dreams that God has given to you that some of you have put on a shelf, and you've just said it can't happen. I think there are some of you in this room that you're raised in a family where you go, nobody in my family ever accomplished anything great. We don't do anything great. You just don't understand. I think some of you have let the blues of the world, you've let, you've let what you see on the local news and what you hear about in there, you just let it just kind of put you down in this mold where, where you trade days for dollars and, 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 and 48 weeks a year, so you get a couple of weeks a year off you know, for vacation and some sick leave and some, and some day off time. And, and I think God has a lot more for you than that. Some of you, I think you're such in the, in the middle of just like going, man, how did I get here? I started, I had this big dream, had this big plan, and somewhere it got derailed along the way. What do I do? Some of you are going, man, I'm trying to be so faithful and so purposeful, and I'm really trying to do the right things, but it just seems like it's not happening. It's not coming together, and I just feel discouraged, and I feel like I just want to quit and just want to give up. We're going to talk about that. Some of you are going to feel like, man, I feel like nobody understands the dream that God's put in my heart. Nobody gets it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about those things, but these next few weeks, your life's going to be like this rubber band, and we're going to stretch, and we're going to talk according to God's word and we're going to just think about some things and apply some things and you may go back but you won't go back as small as what you were that your mindset your heart your capacity to dream will become larger so there's two parts of this of this design of a dream first is to discover the dream those of you that are on that journey to discover the dream let me give you a couple things number one get alone with God you want to discover a dream that God has for you number one get alone with God The Bible says in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Listen, the will of God is not mysterious. But it is not an event. It's a process. The will of God is not a mysterious thing. It's not something that's elusive. But it's a process, not an event. It's a journey, not a destination. And the greatest thing you can do is you're trying to define what the will of God is for your life and the dream for your life. You're trying to discover that is get along with God. Spend time where you say, God, I want to give this to you. What do you want me to do with my life? Here is my life. And you go, but man, Aaron, you just don't understand. Look, I don't understand. And I'm not living your life. And I'm not walking in your shoes. But here's what I do know. He understands. And if you're breathing and if you're living and if you're in this room, he has a purpose and a plan for you. The word, we've already, we've already defined that. So what is it? Get alone with him and ask him. Can I tell you, we serve a God who is a dreamer. We serve a God who is more than enough. We serve a God that is bigger than every situation, everything. And it's not about just trying to pay my rent and get out of trouble and try to get ahead of the bill collectors and this and that. It's about living this life, a life to the full. Second thing is, is look at your talents and your gifts. As you're trying to discover what the dream is for your life, look at your talents and your gifts. 
I love what, what Paul says to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Do you know that every one of you has gifts? Every one of you has gifts. They're gifts and abilities that you've been given. Those desires, when, when we just talked about earlier, when it said that God will give you the desires of your heart, those desires are given to you. Why God put that in your heart. Why? Because he gave you gifts with those desires. Sometimes people think, well, God just wants to complicate things. or God wants to frustrate me. or what? No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. God has given you desire and passion and capacity. He's given you gifts that align with those desires in order to accomplish his will for your life. And, not, and, and let me say this, too, because as I'm talking, I'm thinking about this. But sometimes we think the will of God has got to be something that's hard and arduous and something that we don't want to go. Like, I remember when, when I first said yes to go into full-time vocational ministry, I thought, well, maybe God's going to call me to Africa. Maybe God's going to call me to some third-world country. God's going to call me to a place where there's no air conditioning and there's no this and there's no that. Little did I know he was going to call me to snow and sub-zero temperatures. No, I'm just teasing. But right? I mean, we, we, sometimes we think it's just going to, I'm going to live in this little hut. And if I say yes to God, I'm going to just vow of poverty. I'm not going to have anything. Everybody's going to hate me. I'm going to smell bad and dress bad. And Right? Come on. That's why some of you aren't preaching and I am, right? Because some of you say, no, I don't want to do that, man. No, I don't. Can I tell you the will of God, the plan of God has nothing to do with trying to hurt you. It has everything to do with trying to help you, to bless you, to release, to let you live life at the fullest. The next thing is review your experiences. Review the things that have happened in your life thus far. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. All things. All things work together. Bad things that happen in your life. The Bible says God can take the bad things that the enemy tries to use to destroy you and use them for his good and for your good. Bad things. Things that are unpleasant. Things you don't want to deal with. Things you don't want to talk about. Bad things he can use. Good things. Positive things. Great things. He can use them for your good. What's your experiences? What are the things that have happened in your life that God wants to use in order to take you where he wants to take you? The next question to ask yourself is, is decide what's really important. What's really important? I love what Paul says to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. It's a leadership question. I may be able to do everything, but it's not always good for me to do everything. It may be okay for me and lawful for me to do everything, but it's not always beneficial for me to do everything. What are the things that really are important in life? What are the things that really get me up in the morning and put me to bed at night? What are those things in my life that I'm passionate about? What are the things that really define me? What are the things I really want to accomplish? What are the things that God's really put in my heart? And again, if you don't know your dream and you're 50 years of age, ask yourself these questions. Why? Because you may, who knows, you, you may have five more years on this planet or you may have another 35 years, 45 years. Who do we know? Tammy's got an aunt that's going to turn 100 this year. She still lives on her own and lives life. You know, that's a lot of life to live. We don't know. What we do know is that God's given us today. 
And when you're trying to discover what that gift is, I would encourage you next to try different ministries. Try things. Try things. You know, if you're a student, work as an intern, apprentice. Try things. If you're, if, you're, if you're here at the church, you're going, man, I really feel like I'd like to do something in this area, that area. Try it. I don't know why we don't try things. I know why we don't, because we're scared of failure. We're scared to look silly. And I think sometimes as adults, we're more scared than what we were in high school and in junior high. And I'll take that as a yes. Because what happens is, is that we, we, just, we let things limit us, and we let things be pressure in situations. Why try it? Sit down with someone that's leading that ministry or that area and just say, look, I don't know, but I've always wanted to do this, and I'd like to try this if you'd let me try this. I just want to see what's up and try it. Maybe you might like it. How do you know that you don't want to like working with kids? How do you know you don't like, like being an usher or a greeter? How do you know that you don't like outreach ministry? How do you know you don't like missions? How do you know you don't like going on a mission trip? You never even traveled. Try it. Just try it. You might like it. Just a thought. That's what my mom used to always say. And can I say something? Sometimes you go, well, I don't know how spiritual that is, brother. Read the missionary journeys of Paul. Paul kind of reminds me of Sam Walton, who founded Walmart. They asked Sam Walton one time, in order to do, have a worldwide globalization that you have with Walmart, you had to have some major strategy or strategist come behind you. And he said, no, we built it one store at a time. And we learned by trial and error. Paul, the missionary journeys that Paul took. Look at it. He would get up and go, we're supposed to go to Thessalonica. And then they would be shipwrecked. Well, no, we're not supposed to go there. We're supposed to go to Rome. Well, then they'd be stoned out of the city. No, we're not supposed to go there. We're supposed to. It wasn't really deeply spiritual, folks. We almost died here. They're running, we're running for our lives over here. Maybe God, oh, this is where he wants us to be. Try it. Just try it. Try your hand at it. See what happens. And whenever you find that vision, that dream, that passion, that thing, write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Simple. Write it down. There was a study done at Harvard University of graduating seniors with MBAs, and, uh, and one group of, of graduating MBAs going into the marketplace wrote their goals down, and another group did not. And they looked back over the data some years later, several decades later, only to find that those who wrote down their goals, their vision, their plan, their dream, made more money, accomplished more, were more successful, were more, were more known across the board than those that didn't. Why? Because there's something that happens when you commit it to paper and you write it down and you go, this is what I'm on this planet to do. This is the dream. This is the heart. This is the vision. This is the desire. So what happens if you've already, yet you have a dream from God and you go, how do I know that this is God? How do I know this isn't a bad burrito? Well, let's talk about this. First of all, there's a couple questions to ask yourself. Number one, is the dream bigger than you? If you have a dream and you're wanting to say, man, is this really from the Lord? Is it bigger than you? See, as children, we start with these big, audacious dreams. And as adults, we begin to trim the dream down to be more appropriate, quote-unquote, or more manageable, so that we don't want to be disappointed, right? We just kind of lower the rim because we can't dunk the ball. We just kind of lower the rim so we can make the shot because we don't want to be disappointed. However, the Bible says we should set goals that are high and that are big because God is not the author of the manageable and the small, but he's the author of the big and the audacious. Have you read the Bible? 
We may not reach the goals that we set, but we will go further and higher by aiming higher than we will lower. And the question that I have is, is your dream too big for you to fulfill without God's help? If you can fulfill the dream of your life without God's help, it's too small. Let me say that again. If you can fulfill the dream of your life without God's help, it's too small. Why? Because where's the faith in that? We're people of faith, right? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That God loves to, to put us and allow us to be in that faith territory where he has to show up, where our dependence is upon him. If you can do it without God's help, it's not big enough. Mark chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible with God. And I would ask you that question. Is the dream that you have bigger than you? I'm going to just be really honest with you. We have a big dream at Life Church. We have a dream that's way bigger than this auditorium, way bigger than this 12 acres, way bigger than the city of Germantown. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. If I'm sitting where you're sitting, I'd want to have a guy up front who says we have a dream that's bigger than what we have. Because if you have what you have, that's all you got. And then, this, then everybody becomes a bunch of navel-gazing Christians that we just sit around and sing kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. And then what do we have to fight over? We're not fighting over hell. We're not fighting over people going to hell. We're not fighting over laws. No, we start fighting over each other and the colors of the carpet and the steeples and the stained glass and stuff that don't matter, right? Oh, fast-talking Southerners, hard to keep up with, isn't it? No. Big. Big. Pray this week, tomorrow. Jeremy, what time's the meeting tomorrow? Three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Pray, because we're meeting with Majestic Theater there on ninety four to do to, to do the West Campus. And if everything goes as planned, we will have a contract with the Majestic, and that's where Life Church West will begin to meet in the big, huge ultra screen, four hundred seventy four seats. You know why? Because we're going to offend every traditional Christian so they don't show up. That's part of the goal. Seriously. And the second part of the goal is we know we've got double the, the capacity to reach people, so we've got to make something. We've got, we got to make a big splash. We've got to do something great for the kingdom. Because we're not competing with other churches. We're competing with hell itself. And we've got a big goal. We've got a big dream. And some people go, is it possible? No. Do we have the money? No. Do you have all the plans? No. How are you going to do it? With him, all things are possible. We've got a green light from him. We're going to take a step of faith here and a step of faith here and a step of faith here, one foot in front of the other, and we're going to believe that God's going to give us a city. How's it going to happen? I don't know. Just one location at a time. You think you're better than somebody else, Aaron? No. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. But nobody's written the theater. So we say to ourselves, self, nobody's written it. Let's rent it. Mm, somebody call me a taxi. I'm telling you, I'm about to preach up in here. Right? The dream. The dream. Is it bigger than you? Because if you can do it, listen, if the dream for this church, if I could do it or if we could do it, you don't need me. We don't need each other. We don't need God. But it's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than us. It's only something that he can do. I know I'm preaching. Second thing is, can you let it go? No. Can you let it go? Is your dream bugging you? Because a God dream will not leave you alone. It keeps bobbing to the surface. It just keeps rising to the surface. It just keeps irritating. It just keeps pushing. It just keeps throbbing. It just keeps growing. If it's something truly that God has called you to do, you can't let it go. And if you want to know, I don't know, maybe it is. Try to let it go and see what happens. 
I tell young ministers all the time, guys and gals that say, I feel like I'm called to full-time vocational ministry. I look at them, and this is a statement that I make. If you could do anything else in your life, anything, anything else in your life and be happy, do it. Do it. Because the attrition rate in ministry is, is when I graduated Bible college from seminary, they told us, look around, because only 25% of the people that you start with will actually make it to retirement. Why? Because it's hard. It's not easy. But I tell those young students, if you can't let it go, if it won't let you go, then you're called. And that calling is without repentance. And I don't care what you do. I don't care where you go. I don't care what happens. The Bible says, David says, if I ascend to heaven, God, you are there. And if I make my bed in the pit of hell, you are there. I cannot escape you. And, and, and a dream is something that you can't let go of. It's something that you can't give up on. It's something that won't let go of you. The next, the third thing is a question. Are you willing to give everything up for it? Do you think you've got a God dream? Are you willing to give up everything for it? Like a parent would give their life for their child. Are you willing to give or devote your life? And trust me, this is going to be tested. We see it in scripture. Abraham is tested with Isaac. We, we see it time and time. We're going to talk in this, in, this, in this series. We're going to talk about the life of Joseph. How he goes from, from a dreamer and he becomes a ruler. But in the process of that, he's a prisoner. He goes from the palace to the pit back to the prison before he gets to the palace. And this is up and down road. Are you willing to give up everything for it? I'll never forget before Tammy and I came here. I said, man, it doesn't matter where we do this. It's what we got. We have to do what's in our heart. The where wasn't important. The what was important. The where wasn't important for me. It was the what. It was what we're doing, living the dream, having a church that was going to reach people that were far away from God, designing services that were going to build the believer and serve the seeker, something that was going to do away with tradition and things that were made by men, something that was going to let people belong before they believed or they even behaved. It was something that was going to open up the doors to the community and say, we're here to serve you, to be the kind of hands and feet of Jesus, that type of a church, it burned inside of me. As a, as a college kid, it burned inside of me. As a youth pastor, I knew there was coming a day that we would pioneer work. And it wasn't where it didn't matter to me, it was what. There was this thing inside of me that had to get out and had to get out. And if you ask me today, what, what is it for you? For me, it's the pastor at the local level. And I feel so honored and so blessed to be in Germantown, to be at Life Church. I feel like we are in the 19th largest city in America and that we actually can own this city. I can't do that in Dallas. I can't do that in Atlanta. I can't do that in Los Angeles. But we can do it in Milwaukee, that the doors are open. We've yet to ever see a great move of God. I'm talking a, a historical move of God. And I pray for that and I believe for that. This, this, this city's been called the Graveyard of Evangelists by D.L. Moody. This is the only place that Billy Graham couldn't pack out the stadium. People will try to tell you that there's no way that anything can happen here. But I believe that there's a God who is doing something in the city of Milwaukee and in the suburban areas that only he can do that's so much bigger than a church, so much bigger than an individual. It's happening in the hearts and lives of men and women. And I'm willing, if God will allow me, to give everything up for it. I don't have a desire to go someplace else. I'm not sending resumes out. 
I'm just like anybody else. I get phone calls. I get asked, would you be interested in going to this place or that place and and some nice places? But at the end of the day, this is where God's called us to go. And as long as the vision is here, as long as the vision tarries, this is where we'll be. Why? Because I can't let this go. You have to have a vision and a dream that does that. Because I'm telling you, it'll be tested. I'm telling you, it will be tested. I knew when we moved from Oklahoma, we probably will never live close again. And I've had to have those conversations with my family. And they said, okay, when you guys got the church to a certain level, you're going to move back south? No. This is where we are. You going to come back home? No, this is home now. And I have friends that define their life based upon geographical boundaries, and that they'll do what God wants them to do as long as it'll work within this geographical area. And I think you put a lid on God, and you put a limit on what God can do, and I think God goes, great, you're going to do what you want to do. But a dream is bigger than that. A dream, it, it defies geographical boundaries. It, 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 it defies that. And, and, and this is going to be tested. Are you willing to give up everything for it? The next thing, if you say you, you got a God dream, it, a God dream will always meet the need that nobody else is meeting. It'll meet the need that nobody else is meeting. The question is, is it eternal? Because fame will fade and wealth and health will crumble and ego will corrode and family and friend pressures will pass. But there's only two things the Bible says that last forever. This is good. Number one is truth. The Bible says that truth will last forever. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, truth, will by no means pass away. The second thing that will not pass away are people. God designed you and I for eternity. Now, I know sin came in and threw a curveball, but, but Jesus came back in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved you and I that he gave his only Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So if you've got a God-sized dream, your dream must be built on the truth of God's word and meet the needs of humanity. If you've got a dream that's from God, it will be built upon the truth of God's word and it will meet the needs of humanity. I'm telling you every time. Any other dream is temporary. It will meet, it will be built on the truth of God's word and meet the needs of humanity. That, and, and meeting the needs of humanity, that's the secret of happiness. Is, Jeremy said it last weekend. It's not about how many people am I serving. It's, how, it's not about how many people are serving me. It's how many people am I serving. And you may be a business person and go, well, man, my dream is business. God's given me a great business mind. I mean, I have the ability to to build companies or to build this or to build that. And and how is that eternal? And and how is that built upon truth? And and how is that redeeming people? Well, I'd simply say this. Every time you leverage your building, your, your business, and take your profits or a margin of your profits in order to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and lead people to Jesus Christ, your business becomes eternal. The Bible says only what's done for Christ will last. That we lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and where thieves can't break in and steal and where nothing can can, can take it away. And so if if my gifting is to be a businessman or a businesswoman and and I take that and I take profits from that and I'm able to use that in order to, to spread the gospel, then I am doing what's built upon the truth of God's word and I'm also touching people. If, 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 I, if I'm called to be a businessman, a marketplace ministry, God's called me to take that and to be an example to people, then I'm able to reach people and to touch people that the pastor can't touch and reach. Listen, people expect me to do certain things because I'm the pastor. 
But when you as a business person do it, whoa, because they view you as you're not required to do it. You don't have to do it. You're not made to do it. You don't, you're not under some rules. You're doing it out of, why would you do that? And then it opens up a door for you to be able to share your witness, for you to be able to share your testimony. It opens up an ability for you to be able to, 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 to spread that and to share that and to do that. And I do believe, I believe just as God calls people to vocational ministry, he calls you to marketplace ministry. I believe that. I believe some of you in this room, God's given you an ability to be able to, 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 to create wealth. I don't know how else to say it. You know how to build businesses. You know, you know, you know how to sell widgets. You can sell you know, a, a, a ketchup popsicle to a lady wearing white gloves. You just know how to do it. God's given you that ability, not just for yourself. He's given you that ability so that it would, you can leverage that for people that are far away from him. And maybe that that's for a season of your life. And then, you, will, you, then you, you may be able to retire early and give all of your time to, to ministry, to, mo, to vocational ministry. I don't know. Maybe it's a situation where, where what you're doing is you're teaching and you're training your kids and you're raising them up in the fear of the admonition of the Lord in a way that you weren't and they're going to do great things. I'll tell you this. This church is not built upon great preachers. It's built upon great people. They get up every Monday morning and go to work, and they love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And whatever their hand finds to do, they do as unto the Lord. And that's the last thing. Does your dream bring glory to God? Only you can answer that. Does it bring glory to God? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything you do. Everything you say, everything you're about, do it for the glory of God. So I want to end today, and I want to ask you a couple questions. I just want you to kind of think about it. I'm going to finish stretching this rubber band. Today, are you living the dream? I mean, are you? Are you LTD? Are you living the dream? Because if you were to ask me that, I can tell you, man, I'm living the dream. I can't. I'm shocked that people pay me to do this. Don't stop, but I'm shocked. <laughs> I love what I'm doing. Because it's something that God put inside my heart. It's not about, I've never been attracted by big churches or big this or big that. Man, it's a dream. And I remember coming to this town. And I remember the Spirit of the Lord speaking very clearly to my heart. Not audibly, but just in my heart. Just simply saying, Aaron and Tammy, I'm going to do a great work here. And I'm simply asking you to be a part. And I'm telling you, January 2011, God's going to do a great work through this church. God's simply just stretching you and I today and letting us be a part. You got a dream? You got something that gets you up in the morning and puts you to bed? If not, get along with God. Think about it. If you do, put it through that test. And if you got a dream, is it a dream that only God can fulfill? Listen, folks, we need to dream big dreams. I'm not talking pie in the sky. I wish I may, wish I might. Had this wish, I wish tonight dreams. I'm talking about dreams that only he can fulfill. 
I mean, in my office, if I were to take you to my study and, and I were to show you, I have about six things this year that I'm believing God for and I'm praying every single day because it is impossible. Jeremy talked about last weekend. He said, man, what impossible dreams are you, are you praying? That got me to thinking, hmm, these impossible things, these, these impossible goals for this year, I'm going to turn those into impossible dreams. And I just wrote it out. It's not things like, oh, I need to lose 20 pounds. I need to do that every year. It's not things like I need to eat healthy. That's going to be around next year. Bless God. I need to put more money in savings and more money in retirement or quit yelling at the kids. I don't want to keep yelling. But it's things like this year is going to be a year we're going to see this property paid off. How? I don't know. But we will. This year, we're going to see everything be ready, and we're going to be praying for the snow to melt. About a building? No, about a tool to be able to reach more people. This year, tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Jeremy and, and Ryan and Gary are going to walk into that meeting with the, with the management of, of Marcus Cinemas, and they're going to have favor on that only God can give. God's going to open a door that only He can open. In the biggest theater in the city of Milwaukee, the gospel will be on that screen. Dreams. Man, I remember when I came here, and the biggest bar in town is where the kids, our elementary kids are at right now. And I remember coming on the parking lot, and there'd be just a small group of people here on a Saturday night, and we would be having church and, and singing like, man, like there were thousands and pulling in the parking lot and realizing that the crowd at the bar was bigger than the crowd at the church. And the enemy, the old, old, old Satan himself, would just be like, See, Aaron, you can't do this. This is too ingrained. I own this city. I own this culture. And I remember praying. Oh, God, I don't pray for the demise of those people. I just pray that they would find the hope that I found. The life. And that one day, Lord, that the parking lot here on Saturday night would be larger here than it is there. What are you doing about your dream today? Seriously, what are you doing about it? The Bible says we only have one day at a time in which to live. One day. We don't have tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow hasn't come. We have today. We live life in 24-hour day-type compartments. When God formed this world and he spoke it into existence from the form and from the void, void that was hovering over the deep, the Bible says he did so in day-type compartments. In 24-hour increments, in day-tight compartments, he did that. I believe in literal creation. But I also believe that God shows all throughout his word that he works in day-tight compartments. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't fret over yesterday. Take care of today. Today has enough concern of itself. So tonight, I want to leave you with this thought. That being said, if we only have one day, we have today to live the dream. Are you living the dream today?